Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Hunt Club, a new category of search firm that leverages the power of relationships and referrals to find you the best talent for your company. Their technology transforms thousands of subject matter experts into the world's most powerful talent network, and they've got over 10,000 trusted industry leaders that refer top talent nationwide to positions that you may have. You can reach out to me for more information, or you can go to huntclub.com and tell them that Carrie sent you. I'm super excited to have Libby Dwayne Adams with me on the podcast today. Before we get to hear from Libby, though, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the co-founder and currently the chief advocacy officer at Alteryx. She and her co-founders have built one of the biggest analytics software companies in the world, and excitedly, they have done so right here in Orange County. We're going to talk about that, but particularly want to talk about the early journey and that story, as this is a company that is nearly 25 years old at this point. They've had an amazing technology journey as they've gone also on their own technology journey from the desktop to the cloud. And Libby and I were even talking before about how they're even enabling analytics at your fingertips in our mobile devices that didn't even exist when the company was started. So we'll talk about that. And Libby's evolved through it all and thrived through it all to the role that she plays today. And as a co-founder, she's, she's lived a number of lives within the company. She's led marketing, she's led customer experience, and now, as I mentioned, uh, heads up their advocacy program. It's been really great to see her get more involved in the local community as well. And Alteryx has been very proactive about taking this platform to the schools here to help equip the next generation of talent with the important skills, experiences, and perspective on the importance of data and analytics. Libby, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks very much, Carrie. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Likewise. So I gave a brief intro to Alteryx, and I'd love to hear it in your words. I know there are many, you know, what do you, as you think about the core problems that Alteryx exists to, to solve for people today? What are the couple that you feel like are that is the most tangible that, that audience can understand? Yeah, I, I love the question because if we really elevate the answer to that question, Carrie, mm-hmm. Alteryx puts the thrill back into problem solving. Mm-hmm by turning every data worker into a discoverer of marginal profitability for any company, Mm. literally any company. Mm. And let me give you a real world example of really what that means. And I'll I'll talk about one of our customers that's based right here in Southern California, but their example is actually applicable to every business of Mm -hmm. any size. And this particular customer is Pacific Life Mm -hmm. and their financial uh, department is, one of their departments is a user of Alteryx and you know Pacific Life as a provider of life insurance. 
they adapted the Alteryx platform as a solution for both their analytic needs as well as their reporting needs. And so now 75% of their analytic projects are actually done with the Alteryx platform. And what's happened is this has resulted in significant time savings and reduced expenses in only the first six months of them using the platform. And so what, what they did was they basically took manual or spreadsheet-based projects that were taking more than 60 hours, they're now completing those in 30 seconds. Mm. And so as a business leader, you get to ask yourself, what do I do with those 60 hours I've just been given back? Mm -hmm. And there's a whole thread of, in this case of what Pacific Life is doing, but I'll say again, they're just one example. That use case or that success that they've seen, we see it across every department of every customer in every industry. Um, because analytics are literally going on on every team in every company. Right. Nobody's, nobody's excused from analytics, essentially. That's right. I love how you talked about you know, bringing the thrill back to problem solving do you find that you know, when you get those hours back that these folks are starting to think about bigger problems, more questions, other, it, how, how do you find that they start using that time? Well, and I'll, I'll start out by saying, Carrie, that customers have actually said to me, I love Alteryx because it's changed my life. Mm. And I look at them and I say, what do you mean that it's changed your life? And we had customers say, very similar to what you just said, I now get time to actually think about the problems or the questions that are being asked instead of just doing. Mm. And so it gives them that chance to think about higher value problems. What is really going to impact the business and improve us, improve our performance. I will also tell you that I've had other customers say, you've changed my life because you've given me time back that I now get to spend with my family. Mm. And so what that means for them is they're no longer working those early mornings, late nights or weekends because they can get the work done within the quote unquote work day. Mm -hmm. And it gives them that time with their families. And they said, that's something that nobody else could give me. And Alteryx has empowered me to be able to do that. But back to the, the business impact, when you're mitigating risk and you're finding tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in savings or mitigating that risk, those are the value drivers that are driving analytics to mm -hmm. where everyone is doing it today. Mm -hmm. And it's only gonna to continue to get bigger. Sure, yeah, I totally agree. Well, I mean, as, as I said in the intro, you know, it's been an amazing journey over the last 25 years. And I, I definitely wanna spend some time talking about that uh, in a moment. You know, I just well, first wanna offer my congratulations. I was looking at the uh, company's market cap yesterday and you know nearly a six billion dollar market cap company uh, for software companies here 
that's just in, incredible and and probably you know quite unfathomable as you go back many years. You, how big? I mean, you talk about the ubiquity of of analytics and business intelligence. I mean, how big is that market become just to help sort of orient us to to it overall? Yeah, and I will tell you quite honestly, um, analytics is a global business problem, mm-hmm. or the way we see it a global business opportunity for every business mm-hmm. because it analytics is going on in every vertical. Um, it's going on within every department, within every company of any size because everybody needs to be able to ingest all of this disparate data that's sitting everywhere mm-hmm. in the organization and be able to perform those complex analytic processes and it's about a 10 to 15 trillion dollar value that's locked up in all of those data that are sitting in companies literally around the world. Mm. And PwC actually can quote that number of 10 to 15 trillion dollars through their um, global artificial intelligence study. It's a, it's a recent study that mm. they just released. And so when you think about that magnitude of the value of data, that's when you start to see the, the size of this opportunity for all of us. So what, that's incredible. What, what would you characterize as the key impediments? Is it a skills issue? Is it a language, like understanding how to speak this Data and analytics, language. How would what would you sort of rank as a couple of things that you feel like are really holding it back at this point? Quite honestly, what's holding back most companies is that it's data is everywhere within an organization. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. So you've got spreadsheets as the ubiquitous analytics tool. Mm-hmm. And spreadsheets are now expected to do those analytics that they were never designed to do mm-hmm. because the data's gotten much bigger, the data's gotten much more complex, and the answers are usually tied in multiple data sources coming together. And we all know in a spreadsheet, you've got one data source. So that's the first thing. The second is that the traditional approach to analytics has really been about disconnected tools. You've got different tools for the diagnostic analytics, another set of tools for the predictive analytics, yet another for the data science and auto ML and process Mm -hmm. automation. So what that means is the people who really first understand the context of the question are very disconnected from the process to actually get the analytics done. Mm And so you have all these manual handoffs between these point solutions that are requiring specialized skills and cause certainly data integrity issues. And it's slowing down the outcomes because you've got to be able to pass that data along to each of the specialists that have that technical expertise um, while at the same time also potentially sacrificing the quality of the data and also the quality of understanding the context of the business question. Mm-hmm. And so that, as we see it, is these is, are the two biggest holdbacks to companies really embracing analytics is 
viewing data as the asset that it is, and being willing and able to change processes and get rid of those point solutions. Hmm. And that's where the Alteryx analytic process automation platform comes into play is we're displacing all that patchwork of point tools by bringing the user and their human intelligence back to the center of problem solving. We're making them the focus because they understand the data and they understand the context of the business question. And the software should be following along to be able to feed that human intelligence. That's very cool. So as you look ahead, what, what are the biggest things on the horizon or the things that you have most excitement for, for the company, for Alteryx in the next couple of years? Oh, I, I have to say for, for me personally, and you could tell from the, the titles that I've carried, for us, it's always about the customer. Mm-hmm. When we founded the company uh, 24 years ago, and even today, it's always keeping the customer as the center of why we do what we do. And customers at Alteryx really enjoy talking about their experiences and their success. Mm-hmm. And if that by having them talk about their success, another customer gets an idea of how they can solve, that to me is, is the best um, going forward. Um, The other thing that we're seeing is a very, very big initiative for all organizations globally is the upskilling or reskilling of talent. Mm -hmm. Because as, as the media has been talking about artificial intelligence and the human getting replaced, it is not about replacing the human at all. It's about elevating the ability for the human to think differently about the problems that they're solving mm-hmm. or could solve with data. And as we, we work with our customers around enablement and upskilling, their questions to all tricks are, what are the skills that my teams need to have? And how do I get them those skills? So business leaders are making those investments in their talent mm-hmm. because they all know that it's going to be far more profitable to upskill existing talent than try to bring in new talent from the outside. Um, There's just not enough time and there's just not enough um, HR recruiting resources to take that approach. And so the investments that organizations are able and willing to make in enablement and upskilling is definitely something that excites us as an organization. That's really cool. Well, one, one thing I'll call out, I think this happened almost a year ago, right, as the pandemic was happening, is that uh, you all made available for a bunch of people that were displaced uh, the Alteryx kind of training environment to, to really learn and, and become proficient in the tool, if I recall. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Carrie. We launched our ADAPT program, which stands for Advancing Data Analytics Potential Together. Hmm. And the ADAPT program gives uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about uh, data analytics, we provide a free license to Alteryx software. We provide full access to the Alteryx online community 
And we also provide free access to all of the learning curriculum uh, that we've developed. And at the end of that learning curriculum, any user is then ready to take the Altrix core certification. And when they pass that core certification exam and they get that certificate, that digital certificate from us that they've passed and they're Altrix core certified, by posting that on their CV or on their LinkedIn profile, they're then going to have recruiters coming after them. Mm. And to date, we have over 13,000 people that have registered for the program from over 145 countries around the world. And so that just shows you in nine months or 10 months since we launched the program last May, the passion that people have to build career paths and career journeys that are going to sustain them for a long time. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So as you look ahead, do you see Alteryx becoming more pervasive within existing customers, meaning more people within the company are using this capability to almost create a common framework? Or do you see more people, companies themselves, embracing and adopting? If you, if you were to pick you know, two years from now, where, where do you see more growth happening? Well, and we actually see it in, in both of those scenarios mm-hmm. because what, what I'll give you real world examples. Within our existing customer base, what's happening is the individuals that are using Alteryx today within selected teams are telling their friends who are on other teams mm-hmm. within these companies, hey, I've got this really cool capability now. Do you want me to show it to you? And so that word of mouth, that social experience of analytics mm-hmm. is causing the expansion of analytic and Alteryx within existing customers. You're and deputizing what existing... the advocates within the <laughs> exactly. customers. Yeah, exactly. And what's happening is they're teaching each other. They're Mm -hmm. getting social about it. They're getting together back when everybody's back in the workplace, Mm -hmm. but they're getting together to teach each other, share their ideas, creating their own internal to the company, Alteryx user groups or analytic user groups. And in in that case, it doesn't matter what team you're on or what department you're in. You're common because you're all analytically minded, analytically driven individuals. And Alteryx happens to be the, the learning platform mm-hmm. that, uh, that they're using. And so to your question, it's both the expansion of those advocates internally within our existing customer base, but the other part is that companies are taking on that willingness to change their processes, improve those processes and improve the technologies and so new customers continue to come on every day as well because they're, they're knowing, they're seeing, and they're hearing that there's better ways to be building those analytic solutions. Hmm. Well, you know, Alteryx wasn't always so big as, as we've talked a little bit about, you know, and you were there from that first day. And before that, you were, you were in the data world. Right, you 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 were part of some big data company. I mean, companies that are household names, at least from from my career, like IMS and and Donnelly. 
what was it in those companies as you look back that led you to see this opportunity with starting a, a new company like Alteryx? Yeah, I, I carry it so funny when people ask about the early days, it seems like I can remember them like they were yesterday. Um, not obviously to the detail, um, but I remember when Dean Stoker, um, my business partner and co-founder with Alteryx, he and I were talking at a previous company that we were both employed at. And I remember him sitting in, in my old office at this company and we were just chatting. It was literally just casual conversation of we should try something on our own. And we talked about how the software for the company's company that we were working with at the time, the software was hard to use. Mm. It required what we would refer to today as a power user. Mm -hmm. So you really had to have those skills, kind of like what I described earlier in the analytic process. You had specialty skills to, to run the software that we were selling. And back in the mid 90s, that was kind of standard. Sure. Um, but when we had the conversation, it was really around, I wish we could make software easier for the line of business user. And I pointed to myself, mm. someone like myself could use. Fast forward to 97 and you had the, just the starting sprouting of the internet. It was mm. literally just in its infancy. And when you had a browser, there was a lot you could do. But from a business user perspective, there were limited things that you could do. But the power behind each click was pretty, pretty magnificent. And so that was really the impetus for us of building a company that enabled the line of business user to be able to get answers, to get the insights they need um, to the question that they're trying to solve at that moment. So Very cool. So give me a little more depth. What was the first product? Like what was the first, you know, that the idea was the empowering someone like you, that line of business user, but what, what did the first product actually do? I've got a lot of entrepreneurs in my audience. And I think, you know, it, it's easy to see this giant vision that you all have realized, but generally that that first incarnation of it isn't that. It's it's the entry, it's the, you know, the MVP as you hear often, but yep. but what was that? What did it do? Yeah, and you know, Carrie, it's very interesting because the perspective that we had at the start was, and I'll speak for myself, was I did not want to fail. And so as an entrepreneur, it was all about what can we build and actually serve a, a market with? Mm -hmm. And so we were very intentional about the market that we serve at the time, back in 97. It was all about being able to access market level data in a browser that allowed a, I'll use a real world example. One of our early customers were was a, uh, a real estate team within a quick service restaurant mm. team. And their job was to find the next best location mm -hmm. for brand X. Mm -hmm. And what they had to do was look at competitors 
and look at traffic counts. So how many cars are driving yep. past a location? I'm very familiar with this data as, <laughs> as we talked about previously. <laughs> yeah. And so we were very intentional of let's make it easy for those real estate professionals that are out in the field um, to be able to get access to the data. And so they would be able to jump on a browser because remember, this was before iPhones. Mm -hmm. So this was having a laptop with a browser with an internet connection and you were good to go. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so they would be able to go in, say, here's, here's the sites I'm looking at today. Tell me what you think. And the, the application would bring back those, those reports of competitive uh, competitors in the area, uh, daytime population, because lunchtime traffic is a big driver for those quick service restaurants, um, demographic information, um, and traffic volume, traffic counts of cars driving by. And so those kinds of reports became the focus of how do we make these better, richer, easier, faster. Mm -hmm. And that was the start. That was how we got started. And not only did we serve real estate professionals, like in the case of that quick service restaurant example, but we also supported local media companies. Mm -hmm. um, because back in the day, a lot was done with direct mail. Mm -hmm. And uh, that mail had to be delivered to mailboxes. And so we were helping them identify where those best uh, potential areas were to drop those direct mail pieces. And again, it was all geographic or location-based intelligence um, that we were supporting back in the early day. And we were really passionate about enabling those business lines of business users to get those answers faster so they could make either quicker decisions on a go, no-go on that real estate site or help the salespeople on the direct mail side get their customers' mail out faster so they could drive business for those customers. Mm. So you were, so the first version of the product was browser-based? Yes, believe so it or not. Pretty, that's pretty unique. I mean, could, because that, that era was kind of in the, the edge of, do you still build a client uh, install and make it more client server or do you jump because, I mean, you were mentioned this earlier, I mean, persistent internet connections weren't yeah. ubiquitous yeah. at that point. Yeah, and we, we think back to the applications mm -hmm. that we built in the late 90s, and we were doing big data in the cloud as a software, as a service model, supporting the line of business. And keep in mind, the cloud had not been coined right. a phrase. No. Big data was a relative, well, it still is today a relative term. Software as a service was nowhere yet to be right. even dreamed of. It was ASP at that point, right? Uh -huh. I mean, that, that was early of, in my career of, of the, the software world of, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so, so to your point, yes, we, we believe that ability to be ahead of the market is what has been a big part of our DNA um, since the since the beginning. So the other risk you have at that point in time is you're too early. Mm -hmm. So be you know one as someone has told me, and I'm not the first one to say it, but many many times I've heard being early is the same as being wrong. So you were early in doing a lot of those things, as you said. What were the what were the challenges that you saw? And I guess what were also the, 
that highlights that made you go, okay, we're early, but maybe we're not too early. We should, we should keep going. Yeah. Well, and there were two things that allowed us to be early and also allowed us to be patient. And I'll say patient in air quotes, because as salespeople, we're never patient. Mm -hmm. um, and the first was we knew the market that we were going after. And we knew that there was a pain point to be able to enable the line of business to be able to get to these data faster. Mm -hmm. And so knowing the market, knowing who we were serving was key uh, because once we started showing off the technology, people, our customers, early customers were, okay, I get this. This is really going to enable my teams. And so we had those early adopters that were willing to take the risk first on a small company mm -hmm. and second on a brand new platform that was going to enable their organization. The other thing, Carrie, that we did differently was we self-funded the company. So for the, we did not take outside money for the first 14 years, Amazing. which allowed us that air quotes around the word patience to see the market begin to mature mm -hmm. um, and begin to catch up and be ready to take on these new ways of doing business, the, these mm -hmm. new technologies that we were delivering. And so I think that definitely played into our success was that we did self-fund and that um, we knew the market and who we were going after. And we were very intentional about who we were targeting with um, our sales efforts. Were there opportunities in those first 10 years or so to raise outside capital? Were you approached by people or did you sort of dip your toe in or were you just heads down on product, customer, revenue, build the, build the business for that period? Well, and as a software company, we actually were very focused. We were very targeted. Um, we were approached by one of our uh, resellers um, early on mm -hmm. to see if we were interested in selling the, the company along mm -hmm. with our technology to them. And we chose not to. Um, and I, I love the fact that we were able to choose not to. Mm -hmm. um, and so from a, from a growth perspective, we very much focused on um, direct selling and then developing as a software company, developing that partner channel over time. What, what was the trigger that led you to actually finally allow that outside financial partner? We, um, we saw the market really engaging with our technology. Um, they were telling us, and we could see it, that our technology was very different. It was enabling them to do things that they could not have done before. Mm -hmm. Going back to that uh, story about point solutions, they were living that pain and they were seeing Alteryx eliminate that pain and get them speed to insight with our technology. And so it was that that allowed us that pivot um, to be able to say, now we've got to invest in the expensive part of the business, which is a sales and marketing machine. And it was at that point that we said, 
to really scale and grow, we are going to have to take that outside money. We had proven the technology works and it was actually our customers that had proven that our technology worked. And so we were willing to take that risk um, on the, that outside money back in, we started in uh, 2011 with uh, the outside funding raise. Mm-hmm. And that went over the course of the next uh, four years, five years, where we raised a total of about $163 million. Um, and then had the uh, ability to go public on the New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. four years ago. Yeah, incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's turn a little bit during that period. So we talked about kind of this first idea, first product. You know, how have you seen through your role, you, know, you, were, you were doing some of that storytelling, heading marketing, um, obviously, you know, still a fair bit through your head of customer experience and, and advocacy roles as well. How have you seen the, the vision of the company evolve through that? It has been... Um, it, it really, Carrie, continues to come from the voice of our customers mm. with them able to tell us that we're impacting their business. We're helping them improve their top line, their bottom line, mitigating risk, whatever those improvements are, the value that, we're, that they're getting from our technology is what keeps us going. Um, we have to be able to impact their business. They have to be able to see those improvements. They have to be able to see those changes. Um, That's, I think, what what has allowed us to continue to grow. The other part that I'll say also, and many other tech providers, especially in today's market, are aware of this, is being very intentional about who you're building for, Mm and what that level of, or degrees of complexity that 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 user, that that persona will tolerate. Um, And so that's the other thing that we always have to be conscious of is very intentional on who we're building for and what are they solving for? Mm -hmm. And what's their level of technical prowess? Absolutely. Do you you have a customer advisory board that is is a, sounding board for some of these they almost it look you look at as a co-creator in some respects yeah um great question because we have always engaged customers and we actually have multiple levels of advisory mm-hmm. boards we have a c-suite advisory board mm-hmm. uh, we have a visionary advisory board and also a customer advisory board and we want our and we also have a very extensive beta program mm because we want our customers giving us their ideas, giving us feedback, telling us what works, what, what they'd love to see us improve upon. Um, and so we, we use multiple channels to gather those information from them. And the other part of it is that our customers have a voice in, um, in what we do and how we do it. We have to learn from them mm-hmm. as much as they're learning from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another big component for us is our net promoter score, mm-hmm. where we're very much about asking customers for feedback, but we're also committed to not only asking for feedback, but also letting them know when they give us feedback, 
why we are or are not doing something that they're requesting. Sure. It's so important to let people know and acknowledge their time that they spent giving us that feedback and let them know that we appreciate that, but maybe their idea doesn't fit in the current roadmap or um, it does and it's, it's on the roadmap. It's important to be able to give them that connection point. And so we do that through um, an NPS survey, which is a, a regular cadence for us. Hmm. That's, that's such a great point. I think, you know, whether that's your employees or your customers, you know, just closing that loop, um, people don't always need to hear the answer they want. They generally just want to make sure that they're at least heard. And so exactly. I think that's a, that's a, I'm sure a cultural norm that you've developed. I, I, I'm sure, I mean, it's been 24 years. I'm sure you have grown immensely yourself through this journey. How, how do you think about that personally? What, what, you know, as you reflect back and look at yourself two decades later? <laughs> well, and, and I, I have the privilege of being able to serve just an amazing global community, both mm. inside of Alteryx, as well as our global external community of customers and partners and future customers. And my, my mode carry for myself is that I always want to be learning. I always want to learn from other people. I want to learn what they're doing. I want to learn what they're trying to solve for. And if there's something that I can do to contribute to that learning journey, um, I want to be a part of it. Um, because for me, that evolution that you've talked about, my growth path, my career development really has been from learning from other people, seeing who does it really well, seeing who really loves what they do. Mm. Because that's the other thing that I will tell you, I get, I, I get to engage with a lot of people, both inside of Alteryx and externally. And the common thread that I often hear is they'll say, Libby, you clearly love what you do. Mm -hmm. And I advise people that I have the privilege of talking to that if you're not passionate about what you're doing, stop doing it. Mm. And I say that because for me, even today, after a lot of years, I love to be able to impact um, and influence something that will improve or get better or stop doing uh, whatever the case may be. And so that's, that's just my mode of operation is that I just have to love what I'm doing or I'm not going to do it. So. Very cool. Well, along those lines, you, you've gotten involved with uh, a group that I'm also involved with here called the CEO Leadership Alliance recently. What was it about CLA that got you excited? Oh, Carrie, it, being able to first engage with other business leaders mm -hmm. locally that are all within driving distance, or most of them are within driving distance um, when we get back to yes. that environment, um, but also know that we all have the same vision and passion for supporting talent and talent development here in our local community. Um, so frequently, and probably the same with you, you get involved in conversations and people talk about Silicon Valley or they talk about Austin, Texas. There is amazing 
software development going on in every corner of the world. That's right. Not just Silicon Valley, not just Austin, Texas, um, not just Boston. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's that ability to be able to impact our local community and make sure that our local community is attracting talent and retaining that talent mm -hmm. because we're helping people see the scalability on their career journey and it allows them to do it right here in their own backyard. That's right. That's right. Well, you, uh, I mean, you talk about talent, you know, young people, what do you feel like, you know, for my audience who are saying, you know, how, how can they contribute? How can they get involved? What, what are the suggestions that you would have for how, how others can support the, the talent that we want to develop and to your point, inspire and retain here? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is getting vocal, getting social about what you're doing make sure that you're putting your company and the amazing products and services that you're delivering in front of those college age, high school age, junior high age individuals. Because remember, we're not just building awareness for people talking about their major in college. Mm -hmm. We have to be attracting talent much earlier in the learning journey. Specifically at Alteryx, our education program actually supports a K through 12 initiative mm. because we want to make sure that parents and guardians and guidance counselors and teachers and school administrators are talking about fun problem solving, fun data puzzles in the fifth grade classroom or in the third grade classroom or in this eighth grade classroom. And also remember that not all students are college bound. Mm -hmm. Some of them might be saying, you know, I got to get out of high school and I really got to get to work. Make sure that they're aware that there are these career paths and, and in my case around data analytics mm -hmm. and that they could jump on that learning path using our ADAPT program while they're in perhaps their sophomore or junior or senior year of high school so that when they do graduate, they're carrying that Alteryx analytics certification that could help them open a door right at the age of 18 after they graduate from high school. Um, and so nice. I want to make sure that your listeners are thinking about how do they get in front of or on that learning journey earlier so that people know that there's new opportunities. There's, there might be this new job skill or career path that mm -hmm. they could support. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I mean, the other thing I'd probably offer too is it's probably never too late. People that, you know, are thinking about the next or a change in career could also um, now with the programs and tools that are out there, they could do this uh, on their own. You're absolutely right because we've had people tell us because of uh, COVID, they lost mm -hmm. a job. Mm -hmm. And I just was reading an email from a gentleman up in, in the Minneapolis area. He went through our ADAPT program and got a new job. He had been laid off. He had all tricks skills, but had been laid off from his previous job. He said, I want to get better at all tricks. He went through, got his all tricks core certification through ADAPT, went on and got his advanced certification and is now fully employed at a, another all tricks customer. 
And I said, that's an individual that's destined for success because right. he was not going to give up and say, I'm unemployed. I can't do anything. He wanted to get better and he did. That's amazing. Well, Libby, this has been a really fun conversation. We're coming up against time. I, uh, I think we both work with a lot of young people, right? I have the privilege of, of you know, I've mentioned, you know, teaching a class now. So I'm working with a lot of students. I'm working with recent graduates and, and even people early in their career. You, you know, you've, you've had the great fortune of being in the, the data and analytics world for almost your entire career. And many are, are going to struggle to look ahead the next 20 years for their career and see something with that amount of stability. So what, what advice would you have for people that are thinking about preparing and planning for the next five, 10, 20 years? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll boil this down, Carrie, to what I hope is, is consumable for our audience. The first is make sure whatever you choose that you have a passion for mm. The second, I will say, no matter what your career path, please do not be afraid of data. Mm -hmm. So when you're in school, either K through 12 or um, university, postgraduate or beyond, get comfortable with data, get comfortable with using it, getting, get comfortable with understanding it because those skills are skills that will work with you um, through that career journey. Mm. Um, and then lastly, the, the last thing I'll say is never stop learning. Yes. Always be learning. Always when courses are available to you or seminars are available to you, jump on them and listen. Go back and listen to uh, webinars that uh, others have given. You're going to pick up something, even if it's just a tidbit. Don't ever stop learning. So good. Well, Thank you so much for joining me, sharing that wisdom uh, perspective. And I mean, what an incredible entrepreneurial story and, and journey that you've been on. I mean, the, the success that you and, and Altrix have had is just is incredible. And you've made a huge impact, as you said, not, not just here, but globally in so many companies and so many people on a daily basis that are better uh, having used your your product, incredible. Uh, you know, I'm super excited that we've been able to to meet and and really look forward to collaborating on opportunities for entrepreneurs and and others here in in our community who um, can build upon this foundation and and ethos that you've established. So thank you so much for being part of the the Operate Podcast family as well. Thank you very much. It's been great working with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.